0: Hello, and welcome to the Flix Forum podcast, where each episode we go back and we look at a Netflix original film in the order of release. This episode, we have Netflix' 193rd film from 2019. It's the animated Christmas film, Klaus. It's directed by Sergio Pablos and stars the voices of Jason Schwartzman, J.K. Simmons, Rashida Jones, Will Sasso, Nita Margarithe-Laber, Sergio Pablos, Norm Macdonald, and Joan Cusack. I'm Jesse, and as always, here with MJ. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? Excellent. I uh, love animated films, so I'm very happy to be able to talk about one. It's been a while, so it's nice.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, I didn't realize until last week when you mentioned that, that this one's going to be the second, only the second animated feature that original Netflix film. So obviously, the second one that we've done in our podcast, and this is what 193. Mm. <laughs> this is a. Uh, it's not saying that they're really diving into at the moment at this point in time Netflix yeah I think uh as we sort of keep heading forwards I think there's a lot more that pop up but uh yeah
0: obviously at this stage it wasn't on their priority list um mm. and maybe because they take you know lots of these animated films are often in production for many many years so maybe by the time they actually set up their, you know putting out a lot of these these features um it takes three to four years to to get one up and going
1: it's a really good point, and like this one we'll get to in a sec, but like so many others, um, everyone was kind of balking at it, and we've, we've heard that story so many times where every other studio is like, oh, should we do this, should we not? And Netflix is like, we'll do it. What do you want? Yeah. So it's another yeah. one, one of those stories. Good. All
0: right, well, we start our show with the Fast Flicks where we'll do a quick little summary of what the film is all about.
1: Give us your Fast Flicks for Claws. Well, this is a fast one. This doesn't give much away, but... Um, it's the multifaceted tale on the origin of Santa Claus and his small town origins. I didn't realise I used the word. I <laughs> used the
0: word. <laughs> right, well, I, yeah, I guess the the title sort of gives it away a little bit that it is through with Santa. But if you go into this without uh, that context, I guess it might be a bit more of a, uh, a reveal about the origins, um, which are sprinkled throughout. I guess, but I've I've done the same sort of thing. I've just said a Santa origin story revolving around letters and self discovery. Oh. Oh, sweet. <laughs> We'd like to move into talking about how this one arrived at Netflix. And I think this has got a, a big story. So I'm very interested to hear how you've managed to put it all together succinctly.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, <laughs> I don't want to do everything and take things away from things that you might want to say. So I will try and keep it brief, but it's a cool story. Um, basically, Sergio Pablos, um, not a name that I was familiar with, but basically... Worked on a few as an animator on, on a lot of Disney films in the early days, such as Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hercules, Tarzan, those kind of era Disney films. He set up his own animation studio in Madrid, in, in Spain, and um, he wanted really wanted to develop this um, traditionally animated film. Obviously, at the time this was made, and even now it's a lot more CGI, but he, he wanted to explore how the, the animation in general um you know rather than going down the computer computer path he wanted to do go back to the basics and i think in essence this film became the first traditionally hand-drawn animated movie that made use of volumetric lighting and texturing to give it that 3d look and it's funny like it certainly doesn't look like um those movies from sort of the 90s it it, it, that lighting that they have used and i'm not even going to pretend to think about how they've done it all um it works wonderfully. So um, that's that was the crux behind why he wanted to make the film and how he, how he came to making the film. Then it was a case of trying to shop it around. And they first teased the project in April 2015. Now, that's probably before Netflix even had original films on their slate. So um, at the time, the, this new studio was seeking investment, co-production. They wanted distribution partners. Most studios uh, rejected it because it was too risky. Um something that is not surprising, something we've heard a lot. So a couple of years past, November 2017, is when Netflix came on board. They, they decided they had acquired the global rights to, to Klaus. Um, and at the same time, they had cast Jason Schwartzman, Rashida Jones, J.K. Simmons, Joan Cusack, pretty big names. Um, and they announced that it was going to be part of their Christmas 2019 release slate. Um And in March, 2019 was when it was first reported they were planning on doing an Oscar qualifying run for Klaus in theaters, obviously for a film to be nominated for an Academy Award, it needs to have a theatrical run. And it was listed as one of the 10 films that they were negotiating with chains to give this limited release to um, in August. So at that point in time, I I found interesting that Sergio Pablos found that working with Netflix was unsurprising to us because we covered (laughs) this on a lot of our pods, quite different from other studios. Uh, He would still be given a lot of notes about creative choices that they wanted him to make. But the difference with Netflix was these were just suggestions. They weren't mandatory. They they love giving the director all the power to to make the story they want to make. So Klaus was released theatrically in select theatres on the 8th of November, 2019. It was then released on Netflix worldwide on the 15th of November. Um, In January 2020, Netflix had reported that the film was watched by 40 million members over the first four weeks of release, a staggering number. It was nominated for the Best Animated Feature at the Academy Awards, eventually losing out to Toy Story 4. And the budget came in at around $40 million, which is pretty low for an animated film, but um, the, the highest grossing films of $40 million are things like The Sixth Sense and Wedding Crashes. But in more recent years, uh, the John Wick sequels were 40 million knives out was 40 million conjuring two and three 40 million um just goes to show that it's not big budget stuff but you can do good stuff with it so um that's that's a nutshell there's so much more to talk about though yeah you've uh, you've done a really good job
0: yeah of adding into that that 40 million sort of idea um like you mentioned for an animated film that's um you know very very small and you know, you, like you mean, like a lot of the the drama rom com sort of actions, the mid mid-range sort of ones. That's where you sit with that forty million. So the the sort of closest comparison in this sort of form you can even look at is more like your stop motion, like your Fantastic Mr Fox and and Frank and Weenie. Um, I think Frank and was thirty nine million, but look, like they're, they're okay. the types of films that you you can get for for around that budget. So um, obviously. CGI is expensive, and that's where a lot of the animation is at the moment, and that's why you know recent sort of films are going to be pushed up. Um, so yeah, very very interesting. You mentioned about the awards. I think altogether it, it did end up winning eleven awards altogether, nominated for another twenty six, and as you mentioned, the, the Oscar nomination. It did win the, the BAFTA uh, for best animated feature that year, though. So you know um, the BAFTAs is, is obviously recognised as a, a very good award over the you know the British version mm. of the Academy. So um, that's nice. Uh, what else have I got to add? It's hard. Um, I, think, <laughs> I think, so IMDb, we, we do like our IMDb and they have their top 250 list, which a lot of people use to be like, cool, what are the top 250 films of all time? So this is actually, I think this is our first film that's actually been on that list. It oh, sits wow. at number 199 on IMDb's top 250 movies of all time. So that's a, a nice oh, little hi. thing to see.
1: Uh, and that's obviously rated by fans. That's not. Um, that's not anyone's opinion, so that's that's good to know. It is nice. Uh, Jason Swartzman. I thought it was, it
0: was interesting that a lot, a lot of the the lines that he put into this through his character of uh, Jesper was they're all ad libbed. Um, well, not all of them. The director, I think, Sergio Pablos, reckon about forty percent of the dialogue in the in the final script was in the final film is scripted. So that's uh, a lot of trust in your your voice cast to allow. I love to, that. To you can see
1: like it that. too, right? You can mm. sort of get the feel for that when you're watching it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, tagline for this one? Did you see the tagline? Ah, uh, no, I didn't. I had two.
0: I had two. The first one, not so great. Oh, it was uh, the greedy. first one was "Welcome to the Jingle." Uh,
1: to me, no, yeah, that's bad. That's nothing. That's rubbish. The no, other no, one has no, nothing to do with the film. It's just like a exactly. Christmas promotion crap. Yeah. Yep.
0: The other one was better. It was "Discover the friendship that launched a legend."
1: Uh, I, I have no doubt that um, Sergio Pablos didn't write the first one. No. <laughs> that's just a, yeah, cashing on Christmas. <laughs> the the nice. translations
0: for this one around the world. In Mandarin, Greek, Hungarian, Italian, it all had a subtext. So it was Claus, the secret of Christmas. Uh, so that was seemed yeah. to be the title that, that it went for in a lot of places. Maybe the idea of Claus just wasn't, uh, You can, in Australia, we got Santa Claus, I guess. Maybe it's not as uh, prevalent in those places. Sure. sure. France, it was called The Legend of Claus. And, and in Turkish, it was "Klaus the Magic Plan." So that was uh, another little spin on on this.
1: Okay, I, I, yeah, I'm happy with what we've got. But
0: good. Well, let's let's talk about the consensus. What are people saying about this film?
1: Well, I mean, if it's it's in the top two hundred IMDb, <laughs> it's obviously pretty popular in some respect. But his IMDb; it's sitting in eight. Point one out of ten off one hundred and forty-three thousand ratings. This is a proper film, Jesse. We we're coming off a film last week. <laughs> um, I'm actually just going to go check on my notes. IMDb last week for the movie House Arrest had sixteen hundred ratings. Um, <laughs> this one has one hundred and forty-three thousand. This movie was huge, and Letterbox is even better. More or less, it's more or less the same. But four point one out of five. 154,000 ratings. Everyone watched this movie and everyone loved this movie.
0: It's high. It's very, very high. Uh, Rotten high. Tomatoes, again, it's super, super high. Uh, this is actually certified fresh. So it's got a, 73 critics that have given it a fresh rating. It's on 95%. And the audience mm-hmm. had it even higher. The audience added at 96%. And wow. over 2,500 ratings on Rotten Tomatoes, which is super high compared... Like last week, there was none. So... <laughs> uh, yeah it's hi, crazy hi. actually
1: during the during the pandemic when uh when you and i or fix forum did our our bracket um see the, the greatest netflix original film we actually put this one in it um it must have been it must have only been a few months out uh, for a few months though so it's pretty fresh uh and i don't think it made it past the first round but it did get a lot of like. There are a lot of comments about like, or like, a lot, it did better than it should have done considering it was so new. And I'd be curious if we did it again now. Again. It's had a lot more eyeballs. It's had two more Christmases for people to see it. Um, okay. It was. Uh, I'm glad we put it in there in the first place, though. Okay. Well, what are your early thoughts on this one? Well, I had watched this film. I watched this 20 Christmas 2020. I reckon I watched it. Well, maybe, maybe last year. Anyway, I watched it and I loved it. And I was curious to see how I'd go on a rewatch, watching it in June, um, basically, basically as far away from Christmas as you can get. Um, and it didn't change anything. This is just a great movie. Um, it's just that, that incredible ability to explain the story of Santa Claus, make it believable enough. You know, it's a largely logical and sensical story, but introducing these small portions of the magic of Christmas to make the, the, the legend of it all prosper and live on. They, they do such a great job. Nothing, everything fits, everything works in this film. And, and obviously it's got a ton of heart. So um, this is a belter. Good. I'm glad. Uh, yeah, I think like the Southern Hemisphere at the moment, the,
0: the weather sort of, uh, the coldness that we're feeling <laughs> at the moment made me actually, uh, you know, feel like I was uh, on set <laughs> on a film, even though it's animated. Um, on
1: Smirinsburg?
0: Yeah. It, it didn't really grab me like I thought it would. But I, I think it's still a, a well-made Christmas story and, and a nice addition to the Netflix catalogue.
1: Here's the thing. I I, I I had a look and there's like 150 people that gave it half a star on Letterboxd. Now you can chalk most of that up for people who just wanted to give it half a star. I just can't imagine people disliking this film. It, 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 that's what really gets me. Yeah, I mean, there's,
0: there's not a lot in it that you can't like. It's just whether that... And maybe I'm a little bit... Uh, when it comes to animated films, it's hard for me because I I look at it and I go, so I look at them very distinctly different to, you know, films with live action in them. And, you know, you look at your ratings or or how you perceive films like that. And then you look at some of the animated ones, you're like, well, did it hit those same marks? Did it, did it create the emotion? Did it create the, the, or were you engaged the whole time? Were there parts that you weren't engaged with? And I find it really hard when I watch an animated film to, to be like, cool, where does this sit on films that I watch? Because I do have such a, um, you know, just an interest in animation as a separate thing as well. It's, yeah, tricky.
1: So because you do love animation as a rule, do you find you're a harsher judge? Is that what you're trying to say? Maybe. I mean, like... Because has been so I many the, great ones. Yeah, and I guess the sort of
0: the, the current example would be Encanto, um, the Disney one, which is so popular and so well-received. And, you know, I think it's a good movie, but I don't think it. there are so many better animated films and it makes it like that sort of comparison makes it hard to be like, there's so much better stuff that you can go watch like don't let's not fo- let's focus on some other yes cool you enjoyed it let's look at something else
1: too yeah and i think there's different reasons like i think one of the reasons why Encanto and, and probably frozen are probably the two good modern examples is those those soundtracks and they get the kids in and and it lives on so much more than just watching the movie and Encanto definitely did that that sort of had a real slow burn before it actually became a bit of a thing um, and I agree with you. I, I thought it was, it was fine. It was a good movie. Um, yeah. But the way it captures children, I think, is, is probably the difference between that and, and something else that might not necessarily have that same, that run that, say, Frozen had that feels like it's never really left our consciousness. True. All right. Well, let's uh, talk about some characters in this one. Hit us off with, with who you yeah. want to talk about. I thought you were just going to lead into Jesper for me, but I think Jesper is the man. You, you don't want me to start with... Now, so yeah that if, Jes- if that's yeah, sure i guess that's it's probably a story if we think even though the it feels like lost. a jesper story <laughs> um look jesper's got a very very familiar story arc and i don't think anyone's trying to pretend that we're doing anything groundbreaking with this character but basically you see very early that he despite the fact that he's this unlikable selfish um guy who doesn't really want to do anything for other people you can see he's got that capacity to work as soon as he lands in smirnsburg instead of truly sort of throwing in the towel he's he's out there the first day trying to get something done so he's got it in him and i i I think they need to have that in him i think it's his his sympathy and empathy for his fellow man that you see really grow in this in this film and i think it begins by being an outsider in this really really grisly and and violent almost Tim Burton-esque town that's been created. Um, So he he starts to realise that he might not be what he thinks he is and he's actually kind of a better person than (laughs) everyone in this town and it, it sort of just changes him a little bit straight away. But I think you never really felt that, particularly by the beginning of the third act, that he was actually doing this work for his ticket home. And we've seen so many movies where someone's like, has to do something for selfish reasons. And then they realize that what they're doing for is actually meaning so much more to them than they thought it was and meaning more to other people. But then they get called out for their selfish reason. Um, It's, it's a very common storyline, but by the end of it, by the time his father rocks up on the door, you're like, this guy's in it for for the whole thing anyway, he's not doing it for himself anymore. So um, that was great. And I thought Jason Schwartzman was great. I know you mentioned how he ad-libbed sort of 40% of his lines and, he really got into the character and he really got a feel for what Jesper was and that that sense of humour and that not taking himself too seriously and confusing himself between what he should and shouldn't do. I think that was really well captured.
0: Yep. I agree with everything that you've said there. Um, I, and even though this film is called Claus, I, I think that realistically, Jesper, like his arc is the Christmas story. Like, yes, you've mm-hmm. got a guy that's making gifts for kids, but this is the guy that's delivering it. He's making the change in the people. Like, it's the... The Scrooge sort of story, where you've, you've got that development of mm. of those feelings and the warmth and and looking out for each other. So I, I think, uh, you know, like you mentioned, it, it it is that generic sort of idea that you you know you've got spoiled kid, privileged young brat, needs to be taught a lesson by your dad. Um, but but yeah, like you mentioned, realistically, the the selfishness that we see from it at the start, it sort of disappears quite quickly. Like you know, in the background, that that journey is to get home, but very quickly, it's um, sort of goes to the back of your mind because he does care for others. He is, he is doing things to, to reach out, even though that getting those letters posted is, is posted is such an important thing for him. Um, he didn't do it in a way where he sort of went out of his way to, he didn't go out of his way to do something really bad to get what he wanted. He was, he was doing yeah. nice things to get what he wanted and he didn't need to change that up, which was a nice sort of thing.
1: Yeah, it's a really good point. I, I think it actually links nicely into to Klaus in that sense where, because he does have his own little arc, and his arc's more inspired by, for lack of a better term, the magic of Christmas. Because he comes from this really, when we meet him, very placid beginning, um, which you sort of learn stems from basically the ultimate heartbreak. You know, he, he has these dreams of becoming a father with this big family, and that gets burnt down and. Combine that with the death of his beloved wife, um, it's kind of just turned him into this recluse. And, and he's so reserved. And you, you understand why. Um, and the idea of delivering a toy to a child sparks this appeal in him because this is his, his, the reason that he, he was so passionate about his life before all this stuff happened was, was to be a giver of toys to kids, in a sense. Um, but when that first happens, he doesn't entirely let himself go. He slowly thaws out, so to speak, because it's you know, <laughs> well done, you know. well done. Um, <laughs> but before becoming the, the true man that he is, this real giving man, which was always a part of him and is part of his soul. And I think it's really cool in a visual sense. And, and I sort of read that when the animators were designing Smearinsberg, they used, and you see this, they use a lot of sharp angles and triangles to show that this environment wasn't very friendly, it wasn't very comfortable. And in contrast, Klaus and, and even his cabin. And his barn, they're so sturdy and they're so strong. It just shows the difference that he has to the town, but that ability that that strength has to impact the town. And I think that's a really cool visual choice as well.
0: Yes, I think that the idea of, you mentioned the word recluse, and I think that, as you've mentioned, it's really hard to anything further, but without him having his own kids and without him, obviously, well, he's lost his wife, so he doesn't have her as well. That idea of, of kindness can come through, upholding her memory almost as well like I know that it sort of comes through the, the the wind throughout that she's always there she's that presence that that isn't revealed until a bit later on but it's nice to see that um you know the that he didn't have to be a big like, he didn't have moments where he, apart from the one moment where um Jesper goes into the cabin and he loses it he wasn't a gruff horrible character that he, was like scary and mean, and he needed that change because that that wasn't what it needed. It was like no. he just needed to come out of his shell and, like, you know, I really like your your analogy of defrosting, thawing <laughs> <Thoring laughs> out. That was who,
1: yeah, thoring out. That was that was who he was. Um Yeah. Yeah, that's, you're right, and it was just the perception of him that was scary, and that's just that's the fun for a kids' film, right? Um Yeah. I don't I don't have too much more to say. I, I have a quick chat about Elva. Um, yeah, but not that it ex- shared a very similar arc to Jesper in in a sense that apart from the fact that she actually already had that spark in her earlier in her life. Um, And similar to everyone else in town, the spark had just been snuffed out. And it was just this nudge. And I I suppose this this, this is almost the magic of children. Helps reignite that spark for her. And and we see this true, loving, caring, and again, very giving person that she is. And I I think obviously the theme of giving is very important in this film to most of the characters. But just the, the power of what that can do to changing who you are and um but how bad circumstances can get you away from that in the first place
0: yeah i thought interesting like a teacher becoming a fishmonger like that was an interesting career career change um i guess the the grossness of the fish and the the grays and the colors that you can incorporate through that uh yeah that 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 lost passion that she's needed to find and as you mentioned that that idea of giving digging into that the savings or to support the kids and build that Mm. classroom and and at the same time, it's probably hard to talk about them, but the two families, the Crumbs and the Allingbos, like their ability to, through Jesper, through Elba and through Claus, to reunite a little bit, even though obviously you've got your, your really bad ones that are off by the side, the rest of the town are able to, through these three mm. characters, sort of overcome their differences and, and reach out and be friends and change the, yeah.
1: Well, why are they doing it in the first place, right? They literally mm. talk about, oh, we do this because we've done it for years. I mean, yeah. it's it's a horrible reason to continue to do something, and um, it was yeah, it's so beautiful watching it all come together. <laughs> Good. Uh, the director, we, we we touched on him
0: fairly early before Sergio Pablo's. I thought it was interesting that, like, he came up with the despicable me, like was a part creator <laughs> with despicable me. I just I, was I found like, that wow, too. Yeah. Like,
1: yeah, he he wrote and, the um,
0: story for it. Like, yeah, crazy. That's I'm sure he'll be living off uh, that franchise for the rest of his life, too. There is no worry at all about this guy's financial um, ability. Well, does he have
1: credits in the bank for that? How does that work? Like We don't know the deal he's oh, struck.
0: Surely, surely he's going to have something coming in. Um, but, like, you know, we mentioned before the Disney Renaissance sort of period, like, he worked on a goofy movie. Love that movie. Um, Hunchback and Notre Dame, Hercules, Tarzan, Treasure Planet. And then also, like, on other films like Rio, Smallfoot, Ferdinand just done lots
1: an awful lot yeah well as an animator and then obviously this being his first foray into being a director you have to assume he's the fact that he set up his own studio in Spain you know he's obviously put a fair bit of collateral in that (laughs) from the start so he's still betting on himself which is great
0: yeah
1: all right scenes I, I, I do find
0: it hard with animated films to pick out specific scenes I don't know what it is but I find it hard so uh how did you go
1: well, strap yourself in because I've got a few. Uh, um, <laughs> when when Jesper first arrives arrives in Nuremberg, and you firstly see the people carrying the corpse and then bam, you assume it's a corpse and then they drop her and he looks at them and she turns around and just gives them like shh and it was so <laughs> creepy and it was so well done and then you follow that. By that little girl driving the carrot into the snowman, <laughs> I thought that was just a wonderful way to introduce this town. Um, it was so dark, and I said, "So Tim Burton esque, just like, all right, we're here, we're in. This is where the movie's going to be set. I'm, I'm, I'm all on board to see where this l- ends up." Um, and the rest of the stuff. It's funny how much I didn't realize when I was noting these down as scenes that I enjoyed. I think I just love the fact that they they used all these. Traditional tropes of Santa Claus that we know and love. And they gave them basically an origin story. This is how it all began. Um, I think the first delivery was wonderful, uh, very fun, very uh, placid. Klaus just basically forcing Jesper into the house, forcing him down the chimney because there was no other way down. Bang, that's how the chimney thing started. Um, I love the fact that when the kid who threw the snowball at Jesper, uh, he put the coal in his stocking just because there was coal there. I think he said, Who, "Who's the loser now, you little brat?" I <laughs> just, I love that. This is the story of the naughty and nice list, and then he explains it. Um, the flying sleigh—it's just this magical, famous imagery that we, we know about Santa Claus. Watching it, watching it fly and go—this is how it all started. And then seeing it crash and destroy on the ground was just so cool because you never see that side of it or assume that side of it. I thought that was fantastic. Um, and, and then it goes to a few more things that sort of touched me emotionally more than anything else so I don't love it when, a, when the main theme of a movie is, is literally a quote but I do love the line of a true act of goodwill will always spark another and they, they push that home pretty, pretty hard but it, it's a beautiful thing to hang your hat on so um, I do want to call that out I love that moment when the, uh, the little Eskimo girl was calling out for Jesper, only to realise that he'd stayed off the boat. I think that was just an emotional thing. I, I obviously had seen the film, so I knew he stayed, but it still, I still really liked it when he just sort of called. He's like, "Hey!" And she was so happy, and it was just like, "All right, let's get on with the finale." It's great. And then at the end, um, you know, how do you finish a film like this where you've got an old man who you assume is going to die? And but hang on, Christmas is a thing now. How are we going to do this? I thought they they ended it really nicely. How he didn't die; he just disappeared and became the magical Santa Claus that we know he is. And um, I love the final line of the film: it "Just says, once a year I get to get to see my friend, it was um, it was beautiful." Yeah, I, I liked. It. I,
0: I did enjoy all those moments of linking Christmas in as well um, about you know the, the story or the origin of Santa, and and to I think the the final moment there. It's nice as well. Just the the thought that possibly. Because I, I really enjoyed all the wind moments throughout this this film, where
1: mm.
0: you know he's reflecting, whether it's with the the bird feeders or whatever it was, and, and just Claus looking out, you know, thinking about where where is Mrs. Claus, <laughs> um, and yeah. and ho- and hopefully, you know, that that end moment, maybe he's he's back with her. That'd be nice. A hundred percent, hundred percent, yeah. I, I I liked the Jesper, so margo is the little. Um, indigenous girl um, that he didn't speak the the language with. And I really liked it when Jesper took her to Elva to translate. And there's just this nice montage of them sitting around the table. And that song I really liked, I think it was called like invisible or something. And it just played It was like a pop song. It just was a really nice moment of the snow on the outside of the cameras looking at them inside and, and they, mm. you know, getting to know each other. He's taking that time to, you know, cool. I don't understand this kid, but she sat and listened to me. So I'm going to spend some time and, mm. and help, help her out too. Uh, and, yeah, like I mentioned, I like the, the win for claws and the, the finale too. So um, is there anything in here that you didn't like?
1: I, I had a stretch. I made sure I put something in here because oh, I wanted to be balanced. At yeah. a stretch when Jesper's dad comes to en- at the end to pick him up and he's basically just like, well done, mate, you did it. Let's go have your caviar. You can do whatever you want. <laughs> Jesper's dad struck me as this man who would have been very proud of his son but keen to continue to push him and he would have... He basically would have been like okay you've done great here but hey did you enjoy it what else can we do let's keep pushing yourself but he was like hey go go you can live your life being a slob again like it didn't feel right about Jesper's dad i think they they maybe could have handled that better it's like hey you're coming home because i got another job for you. you don't have to start the job we're gonna go on a little holiday but whatever it is um it just didn't feel true to the man we saw at the start because i think that's great parenting at the start i had no issue with it so
0: <laughs> Yeah, I I didn't like that scene for a different reason because I I felt like when the dad arrived and you know all the friends and all the people found out the reason as to why Jesper was there, I feel like that they didn't give him a chance to even explain, and it was quite obvious that he had changed. They didn't even give him an opportunity Mm -hmm. to be like, look at like this. I'm you guys are my friends. You know I I respect you all. I've done all this with you for a reason. It's not because I still want to go home. Um, I thought that was not done as nicely as it probably could have been just an yeah. opportunity for him to sort of say, Hey guys, you know, I'm, I want to stay here with you. He didn't, they didn't even like, yeah, I just thought that was not great. Um,
1: At least they didn't entirely that, cut him off though. They were, there was yeah. a level of when he came back, they were like, all right, we're, you're still our guy. So, Well, Santa gave me a little bit of a hard time.
0: They <laughs> did, did make him Um <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, The, the whole, the start, the opening, the whole having a army school for post people. <laughs> I just thought that was lame. That's ridiculous. Um, and the fight, the, didn't, I didn't like the conclusion, like the, the chase the, with the, the presents at the end and the decoy subplot. You know, mm-hmm. Christmas doesn't have to be about gifts. And, you know, it would have been nice to see all those presents, if they were the real presents, drop off the cliff and we still see the town happy in some way. It doesn't have to be about giving, it can be about friendship, family, love.
1: It's a nice connected. call, actually. It could have so, been
0: very strong. Yeah, because you don't, you don't, like, cool, oh, that would equate, we've still got the presents, cool, let's all have the sentimental value of Christmas back.
1: Yeah, anyway. It could have been a level, but then, I guess in terms of the origin story, the presents are still a huge part of it, and you came back it. And, go, and this is how Christmas didn't need presents anymore. It's like, hang on, Christmas still does that. <laughs> I, but I like that. It would be great yeah. if the bad family, the two dodgy families came back, like, hey, we did it, and all the people were like, who cares? We like these people. Yeah, it's true. Um, what are some themes and some ideas in this one? Oh, man. Like, I think the main thing, obviously, is the the magic of giving. Um, and and obviously, you know, wrapped around that, you know, true of goodwill will always spark another, which I think is very true, uh, the whole pay it forward notion. I think one thing that get, can get lost a little bit, which is quite blunt, is the, the magic of kids and what kids can bring out in people. And this whole town basically turns because these kids firstly just want to get a present and then they get a present and they enjoy playing with it and they enjoy playing with the other kids and all of a sudden they're doing good things and the people in the town are like why don't we do good things let's let's be good people and it's all sparked on by what kids can do kids imagination kids don't have the same taint of life that we get as adults the older we get the more jaded we get kids don't have that and and i think we can all take a lesson out of how how much fun kids have just being kids uh there's, there's a lot in that there's there's also work with the idea of mending old wounds and this is more to do with the feud between the families not just doing something because that's what that's the way it's been done before and um i love this this idea as well that you know giving and selflessness can really turn a person and i think most most strongly out of all this is how a human human spirit can really warm even the coldest of souls and this town is full of people with really cold souls, and it was one man's idea of giving that that kind of changed that.
0: Excellent, yeah. Just I'll, I'll jump in off the back of that. You know, uh, that selfless act sparks another one because it, it almost highlights too that you know you get more out of doing that than being out there to get something. Like everyone's out to get something, you mm-hmm. get more out of being generous. Um, you get more out of teamwork, collaboration, working together. Like that, they were a good team, um, Jesper and Claus mm. together, and. Um, you know, like you mentioned, the townspeople moving past those old grudges, the resentment, um, and and we saw that not necessarily, not just through Jesper himself about you know growing up and self discovery and, and not wasting opportunities. This was an opportunity for the townspeople to to get that as well. Uh, and the wind of the of of his wife, uh, the signal, it signals change, but also signals hope for for Claus as well that um you know you can keep going and and you know be this, this character now for, for eternity <laughs> that sounds pretty that sounds pretty uh you know a big thing to, to sort of commit yourself no, to it's... but yeah it's that's how it sits and uh, the dying art of letter writing too I mean how, how good communication <laughs> leads to good things if you communicate well you're gonna you're gonna end up with good outcomes. So yeah.
1: That's a nice point. <laughs> yeah hey, it doesn't have to necessarily be literally about letters. Yeah it's yeah. it's about communication. Yeah. All right. Um, what did you take away from this one? I look, despite the fact this movie doesn't really do anything new. And I think watching the rewatch is what really got me. I'm like, Oh, this, this film is a very familiar, you know, very familiar story, very familiar arcs. Um, the things that it does do it, it does so well. It it basically nails every reference, every idea, every theme it sets out to hit. And that's totally in my bag when a film can just do that so cleanly and and make it all fit. That's something that I really love. Um, I just I couldn't recommend this movie more highly as a Christmas movie. It's arguably my favourite Christmas movie. Um, it's A Wonderful Life has sort of always had that mantle, and I reckon they're kind of wrestling for number one spot for me. It's this is a, this cool. is such a great Christmas movie. Good. Cool. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, uh, I reckon I was about
0: fifteen minutes in, and all I could think of while watching this was I was getting massive Emperor's New Groove vibes, like the Cusco Pacho vibes from. Emperor's New Groove. Um, and I was really sad when I like was reading up after watching it that there was another article I read where someone said the same thing. I was like, ah damn, I, I it was literally the uh, mainly between the the boat, the guy that drove the boat to start off with and mm. um Jesper. It was just even the the voice acting was like so similar and the 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 physical humor, those moments was just very much like that. Um that, that film, which gave me good memories, and then Why the were you
1: that. I, when you when you realize that, that I, wanted said, no, I, I wanted it to be an original idea. I wanted to be like, yeah. Ah, yeah, I was, yeah. was gonna say it's <laughs> nice. To, it's <laughs> nice <laughs> to have similar. Okay, okay, gotcha. Um, and then the same with like
0: it's very much like there's a lot of beauty in the beast stuff that um, that got me to like an isolated grump living in the snowy woods, yeah. and then like town marching with pitchforks, um, which led to me like thinking like this is almost a little bit too dark for little kids. Like it's an interesting thing because. Uh, Santa, the idea of Santa—you want literally to be able to get involved in it. So obviously, and the the origins help that it goes to a, an older audience. But when you're thinking about that, are you ten to fifteen year olds really going to be interested in watching this? I don't know. I don't know. Ten, um, 10? yeah. ten's not tens old enough. I would have thought. But yeah, sorry. Are so they ten, are like they lo- 10 uh, to fifteen? Would sorry. be where you would want people to watch this, and is this the sort no, of film no, that they're no, going to no. want to watch? Yeah.
1: True, okay, I see what you're saying. I wonder if some of the violent stuff that we can sort of laugh at as, as adults, because it is it is dark, where the kids just kind of see the funny side of those sort of things okay. without getting the connotations as much. I don't know. It's it's a good point, though. I did think the same thing. Yeah. Uh,
0: Cool. All right. Did um, you go into IMDb to look anything up?
1: I did twice, actually. I did for Rashida Jones, even though I've seen this movie. I did for Rashida Jones, who plays Alva, uh, obviously, of Parks and Rec. Um, and also, I did know it was Norm Macdonald. He's obviously got a very distinctive voice, uh, who is Mogan's, the, the boat driver. But as soon as I heard, I'm like, is that Norm Macdonald? And then, like, the more you hear it, like, it's obviously Norm Macdonald. But I did jump on straight away for that. Good. Yeah. No,
0: I uh, didn't get on at all. All right. right. I'm for any questions, anything that you wanted to ask.
1: Yeah, I don't know if you'll be able to answer it, but this didn't make much sense to me. Um, Alva, obviously, is a teacher. Um, there's no kids at the school. So she starts trying to save money to get out of there by selling fish. And then I get things get started up again at the school. She uses her own money to do stuff for the school. Does she not get paid as a teacher? I, I, <laughs> I would have thought it would be more prosperous for her from a salary perspective teach kids to sell fish but it felt like I'm not selling fish anymore so I've got no money it did quite add up to me what's going on there
0: yeah I, good question I was, I was more thinking like so how does the town get fish now um <laughs> <That's true. laughs> but yeah like surely once well once she's got the classroom she had to pay to obviously she'd taken over that room and turn it into a, a fish thing so she needs to use her money to pay it to get it back to a classroom and now she might get a wage. And now
1: she'll be fine. I hope so. I yeah. hope she's, <laughs> yeah, at least, you know, I get maybe there was, there was some upfront costs to get over but I would have thought <laughs> that she's going to be making more money than she was when she was, I don't know. I hope that those kids aren't getting free schooling. Uh, yeah. I, whether, I don't think it's private school so I'm not expecting exactly. the parents to pay for it. There must be some government subsidy for it. I don't know. Well, it's probably just like, why do they need a postman living out living
0: out there as well? Like, well, so either, you don't. you'd send someone from the mainland once a week to like that, that'd be it
1: yeah basically, he's basically only doing letters for them internally in that in that town where it's like everyone kind of sees each other anyway it's tough gear.
0: yeah i wouldn't want to do it uh yeah i haven't got anything um so that that means we're ready to finish this one off and give a rating out of five what are your final thoughts for this one
1: well there's not much more i can say about it to be honest i um i adore this film i i adore how well it captures the the spirit of christmas i adore its ability to have fun with everything we know about santa claus i think it just does so much right and it feels like it's just taking so much aim at me and my taste and my love for christmas and the magic of christmas and uh i'm giving it four and a half stars jesse
0: is that a bump up from original viewing
1: from my original viewing i gave it four and Rewatching it, I was like, I reckon this is probably going to go a little bit higher, and uh, it delivered. So that's your equal top favorite Netflix film. It is. I've got Ooh. three with four and a half stars now. I don't know. if it's So close to our turn of this episode, I want to give that. An <laughs> I've got. Uh, uh, I know one Opsha. Opsha <laughs> and I also. Um, oh, I've got absolutely. Plain. Yeah, I can't remember. What's the, other what's the Jake 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 Gyllenhaal one with the painting? Oh, Velvet uh, Buzzsaw! Did you get that for Velvet Buzzsaw. Oh, nice. I oh, did. Cool. Oh, well, I, wasn't, I actually wasn't on the podcast for that one, but uh, no. I watched it. For my oh, good. Uh, that's a great movie. Excellent. So it's up there with those two. Yeah, it's good. All right. Well, um, yeah. I mean, I'm,
0: I'm not trying to be contentious. The I don't I don't like this sort of animation style, to be honest. Um, but I, I, I agree. I think it looks great. I think it's you know really well made. It looks really nice. I just personally, I'm not a massive fan of the style. The the start of it sort of dragged a little bit. For me, I think like the little the goofy comedy, I don't know if it was needed to start off with because once it got into the groove and it was more about heart and um I think that that really shone through and it was nice to to feel those emotions, more so than trying to make me laugh at slapstick sort of comedy to start off with. But I think it's a great addition to to Netflix's Christmas catalogue as well as its animation catalogue. So I'm giving it a three and a half out of five. Good movie. Okay. It's a, it
1: plays a big part in their animation catalog. <laughs>
0: <laughs> One of two so far. Uh, we, we got socials, uh, AdFlix forum, give us a look. Question I wanted to put out there is uh, when was the last time that you posted a physical letter?
1: Physical you know what? I genuinely have, no, letter probably the wrong word. I, like in terms of like putting things in, a, in an envelope, yeah. I actually have to do it right now because I've got ai have got a I've got a. um, you know, a footy card that I need to oh. send in for redemption. So <laughs> I took this, I took this out the other day. I'm like, I gotta to get to the post office and send that. Um, but it also it feels like a very foreign thing to do.
0: Yeah. I uh I was just I think the last time I did it was probably 12 months ago when you send in the packets from the footy cards to That's go to right. the broader win right. <laughs> um, which they're not doing this shit, which is a bit sad. Um
1: oh, but it's easier than saving
0: all those packs. Packets, true. So yeah, um, I've got to do one of those redemptions too, but this is a bit random and nothing to do with what we're talking about. So,
1: Can I ask you a question though, Jesse? Uh, This is not related to the film per se. I just thought of it then, but you love animated films. You talk about how, you know, you're probably a harsher judge because you do love them. Do you have a favourite animated film? Yes. Uh, Beauty and the Beast is my one of
0: my all-time favourite films. Um, Just the memories of being a very, very young child going Mm. to that film um, and being petrified. But loving it Mm. and the music, uh, the story, it's just, it's, you know, one of my all-time favourites, not just animation, but film altogether too.
1: My grandparents owned it on VHS and that was like the only movie they had. So I I used to watch it so much when I went over to their house. And and similar to you, very, very fond memories of that.
0: Yeah, good.
1: Excellent. Um, Well, we'll be back again next week for another Christmas film where we're in
0: that that Christmas package uh, time. So from 2019, it's called The Night with a K before Christmas. It's uh, directed by Monica Mitchell. It stars Vanessa Hudgens, Josh Whitehouse and Emmanuel Chiqui. So that's what we've got next week.
1: Oh yeah. Uh Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I know, I do. I know of this film. Um, I I like, I like those, that cast. Yeah. it'll uh, Might be. Yeah. Who
0: knows? We've, Seen so many of these uh, types of films, so what are they going to do? That's going to make it different. That'll be the question.
1: Would I be correct in saying there's a sequel to this movie already? I think so too. <laughs> that, yeah, uh, think it does ring a bell. It does ring a bell. So yeah, uh, uh, that's what we've got for, for
0: next week. As always, uh, it's always nice to sit down, and have a chat, and talk about a good one.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm feeling a bit Christmassy, so let's keep rolling with it.
0: <laughs> good. We've had and we've had like a positive sort of run with. We, we haven't had an absolute bomb in a while, so.
1: Um, It's been nice. That's that's foreboding, Jesse. Yeah, well, let's see. (laughs) I will see you next week. See you then.